You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome into a Monday edition of the show, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Trying out something different, a cold open for you guys. How do you like it? Let us know, but a lot to get to nonetheless on today's podcast. It is a film review Monday, looking back at what to take away from the 66-49 victory for BYU over Virginia. Also, BYU moves up in the national rankings. Does it really matter, considering the actual rankings that matter come out tomorrow? We'll delve into that. And, of course, catch you guys up on everything else that happened over the weekend in other BYU sports, women's soccer, women's volleyball, men's and women's cross country, all of that we'll touch on ahead in the podcast. So without further ado, let's dive on in. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast from November 1st, 2021. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, my day job. And thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms out there. So thank you for your support, as always, of this venture. It's a pleasure to be with you guys and hope you all are doing fantastic wherever you might be. Obviously, it's much better after a BYU win the Cougars beating Virginia 66 to 49 in an absolute barn burner of a game. But I think the biggest thing to take away from this as we get into a film review Monday is that BYU continues to find different ways to win. We all know that BYU has won in close games. They grind it out, get a lead, and then essentially just sit on the ball, run the ball, end the game, and walk away with a victory. This was not that type of a game. Uh, going back, watching it live, and then re-watching it on uh, second viewing, I looked at this game and said, this is a different way for BYU to win. They knew that Virginia's defense was bad, and yes, they're bad. 734 yards and 66 points say that, yes, that's a very bad defense. BYU knew they were going to move the ball. They also, I think, understood that this is a game that our defense is probably going to give up some points. Did they anticipate their defense allowing Virginia to score six straight possessions, six straight touchdowns, and then seven touchdowns in eight possessions? Probably not, but I think this was a game that the offense said, defense, you get us a few stops, you get us a turnover or two, we'll take care of the rest. BYU, as it turns out, got three turnovers and a big victory to boot. They are now 7-2 and two on the season, and an update for you guys, if you have not seen it already, BYU moved up in the national polls as a, re- as a result of that victory. They were, I believe, one spot out of the top 25 in the coaches poll a week ago. They jumped back into the top 25 there, checking in at number 20 in the coaches poll, but the AP poll, which I put more stock into, the Cougars have moved up from number 25 to number 17, so we are talking once again about a top 20 program, speaking of the BYU football program. But all of that doesn't really mean much considering tomorrow night is when the initial batch of the college football playoff rankings will be revealed. The college football playoff committee will be convening in Dallas, Texas, if I'm not mistaken, today and have meetings today and tomorrow to determine their initial top 25 rankings. And those are the rankings that really matter. Do I expect BYU to be in those rankings? I do, but I also don't think BYU BYU is going to be 17 in those rankings. I think BYU will be in the 20 to 25 range when they come out tomorrow. 
That's just my personal opinion. I hope I'm wrong about that, as I think that BYU should be giving be, be given more of the credit. This is a program, and I don't care about any of the naysayers out there. There are people who are saying, well, if BYU were to play ASU or Utah again right now, it would be a different game. Maybe it would be, but guess what? We showed up the night that it was scheduled for and beat them. So that's what BYU's message is to all the haters out there. Now, the nice part is BYU can say we're 5-1 and one versus Power 5 teams. We just laid 734 total yards and 66 points on one of the favorites in one of the divisions in the Atlantic Coast Conference. This is a very, very good football program, folks. We are enjoying a very steady and lengthy building process that Kalani Sitake took when he took over as head coach of the BYU football program. He took his lumps early. Let's be clear about this. The 2017 season going 4-9 and nine with a rebuilding program, Kalani had an eye for longer-term fixes for this program and believed if he was allowed to implement a system, implement the recruiting tactics he was deploying, develop the talent he had in the program that he was also recruiting that would pay off. The payoff has come in 2020 and now in 2021. BYU, as we all know, finished number 11 in the country last year with an 11-1 record. This year, they're 7-2. and two. They're ranked number 17 in the AP poll. And there's no reason to think that they will not be 9-2 and two going into Thanksgiving weekend when they travel to the LA Coliseum to take on the USC Trojans. This should be a 10-win season to back up an 11-win season with six wins over Power 5 opponents. If the college football playoff committee wants to denigrate BYU this year like they did last year, you know what? So be it. That just proves that BYU is never going to get the benefit of the doubt being an independent in the college football playoff era. The good news is for BYU, eventually they will be in the Big 12, and at that point, what's the college football playoff committee going to have to say? Because they will have their conference mates and a conference commissioner who's got a lot of clout, speaking of Bob Bowlesby, backing them up. So for the time being, yes, they may get uh, lower rated from the college football playoff committee, even though I hope I'm wrong. In the near-term future, it's not great. But I think the long-term prognosis of BYU continues to stick with what they have working for them, Things are going to be good for BYU, and this is a program who's going to be good for the foreseeable future. You think about this. A guy like Jaron Hall, and I said this on the postcast edition of the show, he has played in eight career games. He just went for almost 350 yards and, what, four total touchdowns in that win over Virginia? It's incredible to think how good he is right now and to think how good he might become when he gets to 15, 20, maybe 25 games played in his BYU career. Now, as I also mentioned, there is a question mark of how long will he ultimately play in a BYU uniform before deciding I need to make the jump to the NFL because he is a return missionary. He's a little bit older. He's not Zach Wilson where he was 20 years old going into the NFL draft process. Uh, Jaron, I believe, is 23 or 24 at this point. And at some point, the NFL is going to say, okay, you're just a little too old of a prospect for us. So he's got to kind of hit a sweet spot here of, okay, how much development do I need to be a good player? And I think it's at least one more year. I'm not expecting by any means Jaron Hall to declare for the NFL draft after this season. If he does, I would say that's a foolish decision and a short-sighted decision, but I would expect 2022, that's probably when Jaron says, okay, I've done my time. I'm going to take my chance on myself. And at that point, he is probably looking at 20 plus career games played if he stays healthy. 
that is something I think that is going to be good news for the BYU football program because as we as oft has been talked about, BYU has three actual seniors on this roster who cannot play another year. They don't have a COVID year to play with. Will there be more departures than just those three? Absolutely. Just with how rosters are stacked right now, there are going to be a number of departures this offseason. And some guys who may have to have a hard conversation with their coaches and say, you can stay here as a walk-on, but we can't have you as a scholarship player. That type of stuff is going to have to take place. But BYU is a pretty young program, all things considered. And to think that they might go 10-2, and 11-2 this year after an 11-1 season last year, well... I think next year you'd be looking at it if nine wins is probably the minimum you'd expect for BYU. That's kind of the crazy thing about all this. So good news right now if you're a BYU fan is the BYU, this is the payoff of a long building process. Those seven and six season, the four and nine season in 2017, they were agonizing. I get it. They were frustrating. There were so many things. They're so close. They just need to get over the hump. Well, they got over the hump in 2020. People thought, okay, well, that's a flash in the pan. It ain't no flash in the pan because BYU's playing better competition this year, supposedly. They're playing seven Power 5 opponents, and it sure looks like at this juncture they're going to go 6-1 against those Power 5 opponents. Pretty dang impressive, if you ask me. But it is a film review Monday. We'll get to more of my thoughts on what I took away from that Virginia win. I have a number of them we need to touch on. We'll get to all of those here in just a moment. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. It is daily fantasy for the college realm. If you play daily fantasy, you probably have done it in the pro sports, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, all that stuff. What I love about Prize Picks is they have a unique focus on college football and college sports. They offer more props in the college game than anybody else in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you may not have ever heard of. They offer any prop you can think of, anything from yardage to touchdowns, even to interceptions thrown. And you can pick two to five players in an over-under on their projected numbers, and you can win up to 10 times back on any entry, and it's just you versus the numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entry, so if you do want to venture over into the NBA, MLB, or whatever other sport pro-wise that you have interest in, you can do that. I also love the fact that your entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. And right now, all of our listeners can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 just for using the promo code Locked On when you sign up with our friends at Prize Picks and make that first deposit. Once again, use that promo code Locked On. So don't hesitate. Check out PricePicks.com. Use that promo code Locked On for that 100% instant deposit match, or go to your app store and download the app today and get started there. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, film review Monday time. Let's get to the notes I wrote down after re-watching this win for BYU over Virginia. And I got to say, knowing the outcome of that game made it a whole lot more enjoyable to watch BYU just run roughshod over a defense that, frankly, should be embarrassed. And I feel for guys like Nick Howell and Kelly Papinga. They're, by and large, good dudes, guys who uh, gave a lot of time, effort, and energy to the BYU football program. But BYU did not welcome them home very nicely. Man, what a performance for BYU's offense. Now... We all know the BYU's defense gave up 49 points, but I'm telling you, that second quarter, if BYU were to be able to take those 15 minutes away, it's actually not a bad defensive performance, but we judge everything in an entirety of the 60 minutes of the game. BYU's defense actually had a pretty good alignment, I felt like, early on in this game. The hectic pace that this game started on with the drives lasting, what, one, two minutes was a long drive, it felt like, early on in this contest. It was to BYU's defensive detriment. 
if BYU would have been able to play at a more plotting pace in this game, I actually think the defensive alignment they had, and what it was, it was mainly a four-man front bringing pressure with man coverage on the outside. The cornerbacks and nickelbacks for BYU were expected to go man for man with Virginia's receivers and tight ends. And then the back on the back end, the safeties over the top were playing cloud coverage. Cover three is the technical term based on what I kind of saw. And I'll be frank, I do not get the all-22 film. I'm watching the game broadcast film, so I don't get a clean look all the time at how the secondary is aligning. But for the first quarter, BYU gave up only 81 total yards. They forced the one interception that they got. Uh, it was very, very impressive for BYU's defense. The problem was, in the second quarter, BYU's uh, alignments and their overall rotations were pretty tight for the defense, and they started getting worn out, and that led to 367 total yards and five touchdowns on five drives for Virginia's offense. Virginia had five chunk play touchdowns in that quarter. The average covered on all those chunk plays, 40.25 yards. Just an incredible explosion for Virginia. They did take the lead to the locker room, but in the second half, I got to give full credit to Elisa Tuiaki because I talked to multiple people inside the program who said that he went into the locker room and Kalani came over and they were talking things over and Elisa suggested, hey, we need to go back to the drop eight scheme or a rush three drop eight and that's what's probably going to give us our best chance in this and it worked. BYU came out, got a three and out to start the half, then gave up a touchdown drive, and I get the BYU fans are probably feeling a little restless at that point, thinking, okay, here it goes. The first half, they had a pretty good start, and then they started getting killed. Well, after that, BYU really stifled what Virginia had going for it, and I know that the injury to Brendan Armstrong, and I've got best wishes to that young man. He was an absolute star, and he is a star for the Virginia football program. Him being lost in this game did hurt Virginia. But at that point, I felt like the game was already decided. BYU had gone up 17 at that point. They were just trying to see out the clock, and they did what they had to do. The the fumble, which Lopalea Tawa forced, absolutely incredible. I loved watching that play once again. I rewatched it three or four times. Just an absolutely clean hit, and I'm still convinced that the replay crew was trying to tag him with targeting and ultimately could not bring themselves to do it, and I'm glad they didn't because that would have been absolutely the wrong thing uh, for him to be knocked out of that game, especially Chris Jackson. The fact that he was knocked out of that game, completely atrocious, and I I, I need to see the, the... the targeting rule in college football revamped. It just needs to be revamped. I I have no other way to say it. Um, Other things I took away from this game. Jaron Hall is finally healthy. And what I mean by that is he may not be 100%, but his ability to run completely unlocks this BYU offense. It opens everything up. The playbook is wide open when he's able to run like he did against Virginia. It just makes BYU that much more dynamic, that much more dangerous, and it's fun to see him out there just running the ball. And he's not running with reckless abandon like he did it felt like early on this season. He's being more measured about it, but he's taking his chances when he needs to, and it just completely makes BYU's offense so much better. I also like seeing some new linebackers out there on the field. Guys like Morgan Piper flashed well. Drew Jensen, obviously, with an interception late in this game. Jackson Kafusi even had his moments in this game. 
also they had some low lights. Uh, I believe it was, uh, yeah, so uh, Jelani Woods' uh, touchdown, a 40-yard touchdown pass was Jackson Kafusi getting beat there. Uh, Jensen had a gap on the long touchdown run in the second quarter that he did not close down well enough. He was actually blocked out on that play, but he came in from a wide angle and allowed that hole just to open wide open and was off to the races at that point. But they had their good moments as well. So it's good to see these some of these younger linebackers being given their opportunity and obviously they will continue to improve hopefully and help BYU's defense. The good news is over the next two weeks with Idaho State this week as well as a bye week next week, there's an opportunity for guys like Chaz Ayu, etc. to get healthy, heal up, rest up, and be ready to go for the stretch run of the season, the final two games on the road out at Georgia Southern as well as a road game at USC. Uh, I really uh, thought that Virginia's rush defense, I I don't get it. Bronco Mendenhall, when he was at BYU, I felt like there was one thing you could count on from him in his defenses is they were stout against the run. Virginia's pass defense was not great. Their rush defense, legit bad. B-A-D bad. Uh, Man, atrocious. It 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 cannot be defended. Man, I, if I'm Bronco Mendenhall, I'm retaking over that defense and trying to get things fixed because that was, it's unacceptable. I know that their offense is high flying and all that, but if Brendan Armstrong's out for any extended period of time, that may sink their season, honestly. Other things I took away from this, uh, I looked at uh, BYU's defensive alignments in this game, and I, I saw Fisher Jackson, a uh, defensive end, lined up a middle linebacker at one point in this game. I get that BYU is not afraid to try new things, but it is my sincere hope that I never see number 53 Fisher Jackson lined up a middle linebacker. It is a bad thing for BYU's defense. It's a bad thing for Fisher Jackson, and it's something I never want to see again. And it's nothing against Fisher Jackson. Let me be clear about that. He's a nice walk-on who's got a lot of potential in him, but he is not a linebacker. Don't line him up there. You're putting him in a position to fail, and it's not going to work out for everybody involved in that venture. All right, other things to take away from this. Jake Oldroyd has a problem with the left hash. All of his misses this season, there are now three of them, and it seemed like all of them sizable misses when they have been missed kicks have come from the left hash. I don't know what it is, but that left hash needs to be avoided by BYU's kicking game if they're going to put Jake Oldroyd in a position to succeed. When he's got kicks right down the middle, it seems like he's doing just fine. He sweeps that leg through just fine. We have not seen many kicks from the right hash, uh, at least in the current run of games, the last three to four games. I don't know if that would be a problem for him, but the left hash apparently seems to be a problem for Jake Oldroyd. Um, Also, I know I like to complain on Twitter, if any of you follow me, about BYU not wrapping up, but the more I watch other programs, it's not just a BYU issue. There is something going on in football, and whether it's a lack of coaching, a lack of ability to have time with players to actually adequately coach it, Wrapping up is a lost art form. Guys go in for these big hits, but they do not wrap up. Virginia did it in this game. They were sliding off Tyler Algier all the time, Lupini Katoa, etc. It just, I don't get it. And it's easy for me to say. Let me be very clear about that. I'm an armchair analyst. I no longer play the game. But when I was taught as a youngster, when I was playing football, you got your head across, and then you went through with the hit, and the first guy through, you just wrap up and hold on for dear life. If you're able to make the solo tackle, Great, more power to you, but your your teammates on defense are the guys who come in and clean things up, try to rip that ball out, make the big hit to finish the player off, that type of stuff. I don't know what it is, but it is something that needs to be fixed, and I hope to see BYU get better at it. There are moments where I'm like, okay, that's a good wrap-up, but far too often there's an initial hit, initial um, surge, 
They hit the guy, and then they slide off. They, they fall off without holding on. Uh, it needs to be fixed. And it's something, like I mentioned, that BYU, I like to complain about it on Twitter because I see it far too often. But Virginia, just as bad. And a number of other teams, I saw it from Boise State. I saw it uh, from Arizona State. They make the initial hit, and then they just don't hold on. I, I, makes no sense to me, but... Who knows? Uh, I was marveling once again at just Tyler Algier's sheer, sheer brilliance. He is so, so good. This dude is beat up, though. 61 carries against Power 5 opponents over the past two weeks. I still stand by my statement in the postcast edition that I would legitimately bench him this week. Sit him down and say, you're not playing this week. I also sit down Lopini Katoa and say, okay, Jackson McChesney, uh, Mason Fakahua, if Miles Davis is anywhere close to being ready to go, it's your guys' time to shine. Hinkley Ropati, it's their time, I think, against Idaho State. That's my sincere hope that BYU takes a long, hard look at saying, we're giving you guys two weeks off here, then we'll get back after it against Georgia Southern and USC. I know it's hard to tell a player that because they're competitors. They want to get out there, have that film. They want to play the game that they love. But I would seriously consider it if, if I'm BYU. Now, a final thing is is that losing Wayne Talapapa, the starting running back, as well as Brendan Armstrong, really hurt Virginia. But I do think that Bronco Manhel saying in the post-game press conference, saying that BYU is the most physical team that they have faced this year, is a badge that BYU should wear with pride. Kalani Sitake has preached a program who is obviously, they want to be good men off the field, but he wants the toughest SOBs on the field when they're out there playing the game. And if Bronco Mendenhall, who knows a little something about being tough, this guy cut bucks. His his son is named Cutter because they used to cut uh, Broncos. They would just do this work on the farm. And he's also a guy who went the Juco route, uh, just made something of himself by sheer tenacity and grit. If he is saying you're the toughest team that his team has faced, wear that badge with pride. That is not something I think Bronco Mendenhall is just throwing around. He has respect for BYU. He has a love for BYU. And I think he enjoyed watching his former program stick it to his team in some sick fashion. I know that he doesn't like losing games. But, man, I would wear that with a badge of pride if I'm a BYU player. Because when Bronco Mendenhall gives you that praise, you should not just say, oh, yeah, whatever. It's pretty impressive. Uh, One other thing on Brendan Armstrong, by the way, I noticed this a couple of times in the first half. He kind of reached for the left side of his body. I don't know if he was trying to make a call, but late in the game when he apparently, it sounded like he broke ribs or at least he was mouthing, it's broken. Something was going on with the left side of his body. He reached for that early on in the game. So I wonder if it was an aggravation of a previously existing condition, maybe bruised ribs or something going on where it just got worse and he did something serious late in the game. Because the hit that apparently he got injured on, there was no real hit to that left side of his body. So I don't know exactly what happened, and I'm hoping to hear more on that throughout the day here on Monday, and I'm sure there will be something coming out on it. But just it was interesting. I just noticed that in the first half. He kind of reached to the left side. It was only one or two times. But it was something I noticed upon re-watching the game, knowing what happened, obviously, in the fourth quarter. So there you go. There are my film review takeaways from BYU's 66-49 victory. Now we look forward, obviously, BYU getting ready for senior day against Idaho State Saturday afternoon at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Looking forward to that matchup. And, of course, we'll get you ready throughout the week talking about the seniors the three of them who are obviously going to be honored. I do wonder how many guys will be honored on senior day if they've already told coaches, hey, I'm done after this year. It'll be an interesting thing to see how that all shakes out. But we'll get you ready all week long 
for what is expected to be a pseudo-bye week. BYU should take care of business quickly, early, and often against Idaho State, but we'll get you ready for that game. We'll also be giving away tickets later on in the week to that game as well. All right, coming up here in just a minute, though, we'll round out today's show with everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Monday, the weekend that was in BYU sports. How did it go for the other BYU teams in action? We'll run all of that down momentarily. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever, and if you've not tried one by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. It's not a waxy or chalky or just plain hard to choke down bar that you're just like, man, I need a gallon of milk or water to make sure I get through this. Built Bars are soft. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you absolutely know that you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. I know it's been Halloween. A lot of you probably had your plenty, your fair share of candy bars over the weekend. Give Built Bars a, a shot because they are the healthy candy bar. I guess is the easiest way to say it. They're low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, high in protein. All of the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious with a myriad of different flavors. Another thing about Built Bar is all these flavors include coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and my personal favorite, Cherry Barcia. So get over to Built.com right now, place your order, and by the way, when you're there ordering at Built.com, you are supporting BYU football players via a name, image, and likeness agreement they have with the Built brand of companies. Nick Greer and company doing a great job. So get to Built.com right now. Now, use the promo code LOCKED15 while, while you're there. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. And get enjoying the best tasting protein bars and support BYU football by enjoying a Built Bar. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at All Guard Pest Control, one of the OGs, one of our favorites. Seth and his team, Seth Baird, the owner of All Guard Pest Control, it's a local company who is handling all of your pest control needs, whether they're residential or commercial, they've got it covered top to bottom for you guys. What I love about uh, our friends at All Guard is they will customize their service plan to fit your exact needs. They offer two programs, which I think are the best ones, and they're absolutely phenomenal. They offer a quarterly pest control program where they'll come out to your home once every three months, make sure your home is taken care of and ready to be protected against that season's pests. And you think about this time of year with getting colder, they're going to be mice, spiders, ants. They're going to be trying to get inside your home because they want to be where it's warm. They will come out, make sure you're taken care of once every three months, and make sure you guys are covered top to bottom. Also, if you have just a one-time need, they're happy to come out and treat you just the one time, and then they'll leave you alone. They're not going to make you sign a contract that requires quote-unquote follow-up visits. That's not how they operate. They're straightforward. They do things the right way, and I can speak to it because they are a company who's taking care of my home for the better part of three years now. I've known Seth essentially since I started this podcast. He's been advertising with us for forever now. I have thrown a myriad of different problems at him. Every single one of them has been met, has been handled spectacularly. And by the way, they haven't come back. That is the mark of a great company. So give them a call, 801-851-1812. That's All Guard Pest Control. Or go to their website, allguardpestcontrols.com. That's allguardpestcontrols with an S.com. Once again, that phone number, 801-851-1812. Make sure to tell them that Jay Catch and Locked On Cougar sent you when you give them that call. 
Before we go here on this Monday edition of the show, let's run down everything else you need to know that happened over the weekend in BYU sports. And let's start off with the women's soccer program. They will sadly go over in their history in the West Coast Conference in terms of getting a win at the home field of Santa Clara. They fell one nothing to the Santa Clara Broncos, the defending national champions, and a tough loss Saturday afternoon out there in California. Uh, Gregor Bell noted late in this game because I unfortunately did not see this. Match. Match. I've seen a number of other matches this year. BYU did have a handball in the box, apparently go uncalled late in this game that would have gone against Santa Clara and maybe given BYU a chance to tie things up. But alas, the Cougars fall for the first time in quite some time, one nothing against Santa Clara. They have two regular season matches remaining. They'll be taking on Portland this Wednesday night in Portland, Oregon at Merlot Field, and then back home Saturday for senior night when they host Pepperdine at Southfield. So two big matches matches for BYU to close things out and I expect that they'll win both of them. There'll be obviously live radio calls on the BYU Sports Network for both of those matches. Uh, so Wednesday will be 8 o'clock Mountain Time at 7 o'clock Pacific up there in Portland, Oregon. And then Saturday, as I mentioned, 6 o'clock Mountain Time, the start time for the women's soccer program there. Now on to better news. The women's volleyball program continue to just run roughshod over the West Coast Conference. Uh, they absolutely trounced Santa Clara three sets to nothing on Saturday afternoon. Their regular season continues as they continue kind of the back half of their West Coast Conference slate. They'll be hosting, excuse me, they're not hosting. They're headed to Gonzaga Thursday where they'll take on the Zags up there in Spokane and then Saturday they take on Portland as they go on the road this weekend. But big opportunity for the women's volleyball program. There's no reason to think they're going to slow down anytime soon. They have been absolutely lights out all season long. I believe it's a 14-match win streak now. Yeah, 14 matches. They're now 21-1 uh, overall in the season. They're ranked number 7 for the time being. I'm expecting they'll continue to move up in the national polls as they continue to win. And as I mentioned, they're just absolutely dominating. It's fun to watch. If you've not watched the women's volleyball program play at all this season, uh, take advantage of it. They're just, they're lights out and they're fun. They play an entertaining brand of volleyball. And anybody who's watched volleyball, it's just a fun sport. It's fast paced. There's points on every serve. It's back and forth. You're never not entertained. Let's put it that way when it comes to volleyball, I feel like. And I would encourage you guys, take advantage to watch one of the best teams in the country right here in your own backyard if you happen to live locally. But any of you who live out of state, etc., you always can check them out on BYU TV, etc. There's always live streams on the WCC network for games that BYU TV does not have as well. All right, final note for you guys is congratulations. Congratulations to the men's and women's cross-country programs. Once again, they swept the individual and team West Coast Conference titles at Newhall Community Park on Friday. The men earned their seventh consecutive WCC championship while the women won their fourth straight. Connor Mans took home his third individual title all time. And Whitney Orton picked up her second on the women's side of things. Obviously, these teams will now be turning their attention to the NCAA regionals. Both men's and women's programs will compete for the NCAA Mountain Region title at Timpanogos Golf Club in Provo. It's a home meet for BYU. Friday, November 12th. Uh, the women's team ranked number three in the country finished a grand total of 21 points, 43 points ahead of second place Gonzaga. On the men's side of things, the Cougars ranked seventh, uh, won their ninth WCC title in 11 years. Connor Mance, he has won seven straight meets in 11 for his career. The senior from Smithfield, Utah is absolutely killing it. And by the way, made some history. He's the first BYU men's cross country runner to win three career individual conference titles. At I Stone, who knows a thing or two about being a conference champion, he never accomplished that. So pretty dang impressive for BYU. Uh, 
good to see men's and women's across country peaking at the right time. And when you have a home meet for the NCAA regionals uh, in terms of the mountain region coming to Timpanogos Golf Club there in Provo, I'm going to expect that both the men's and women's teams should be the favorites to win that title. But I do think that NAU, the Northern Arizona Lumberjacks, they loom out there, especially on the men's side of things. They are a dynasty, and BYU will be up against it to upset them. But here's hoping they can accomplish that and show what they need to do to win those two mountain region championships and then get on to the NCAA championships where the women's team will be defending another national title this year. All right, that's going to do it. You are up to speed on everything you need to know here on a Monday edition of the show. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day all day. We love being with you guys, talking all things BYU sports. want to encourage you guys now to get over to Locked On Big 12, get caught up on everything going on in the Big 12 with Josh Neighbors in 30 minutes or less. It is free and available on all podcasting platforms out there. And by the way, follow this show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search us out, Locked On Cougars. We are not hard to find. My personal Twitter feed is Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, you can reach out to the show anytime via email. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right, that'll do it. Have a great day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast on November 1st, 2021, and we will catch you guys manana.